HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Well, this is Radio Greenhorns. This is Greenhorns Radio. This is Severin uh, on the radio with a different kind of greenhorn than usual. Uh, usually, we have young farmers on here. And in this instance, we have a young farmer, bicycle activist, green company, musician, rock star, alternative person. Uh, and that's a descriptor that is not very good, but it is Kipchoge on the phone. Kipchoge, are you on the phone? Yeah, how can you call that not very good? That's pretty much the best description I could hope for. So Kipchoge is the leader of a band, uh, and the leader of many ideas, uh, and thinking that he's been thinking. He's been thinking a lot of thoughts for a while about big radical things, and he's been doing it with his own body and with a growing tribe um, of bicyclists, an irresistible fleet called the Pleasant Revolution, but I'm talking, and I should be asking you about it. What are you doing in New York, Kipchoge? We're in transition from our home in California to our tour destination in Europe. We're just about to launch, launch a six-month bike tour, we being uh, my band, the Ginger Ninjas, and four other bands. And so we just took the train out here from California over the last few days. We're going to be putting on a bicycle music festival with New York local bike activist music artistic crew band of bicycles tomorrow, Thursday, all day. And then Friday, we're taking off on a ship to cross the ocean with all of our bikes, 16 of us going to Europe for six months. So just to recap, there are 16 people in a band, four bands. All of you have each one bike going across uh, the Atlantic Ocean on a boat. True. Yep. And what is the the purpose, broadly stated, of this journey? And uh, how long will it take you to fulfill your purpose? (laughs) Uh, Well, the purpose is to tour and play music just like any other band. That's one of the purposes. And another purpose is to do it in a way that feels more in alignment with our values by using less resources and um, also just trying to see, to test the limits of what's really feasible, possible, practical, impractical in terms of being entertainers who tour without... um, using planes or 
big buses very often and um, to see if you can carry all your stuff on bikes and still play great shows and um, still interact and play for a lot of people. And another purpose is to just do bicycle activism to show people in different parts of the world that bikes are totally utilitarian and not just toys and totally useful for getting to work on and you can do your occupation on it even if your occupation is playing drums or playing cello and traveling around. It's possible to do it on a bicycle and that it's fun. And that, that that's probably um, what I would say is number four purpose. And not necessarily in that order is really having an awesome time uh, exploring the self, exploring with your close friends and getting to know people that you're traveling with better and just um, think learning more about what it means to follow follow your value dreams you know, to, to get in touch with what it is that makes you what makes me excited about about trying to be a contributing human and um, I think in the beginning of our tours we started about three years ago and in the beginning it was more outwardly focused. It was a lot more about trying to make a difference and to impact people and um, show people about bikes. And it's still that, but after we did it once or even in the midst of doing it the first time, it was a tour to Mexico for seven months, and we just realized that it was as much, if not more so, about our own path of self-discovery and self-knowing and enjoying and, and more than anything else. And it's called the Pleasant Revolution because there's, we have the idea that radical shift is required to change the course of, of the world and that the pleasant, that's the, that's the revolution part and the pleasant part is that it doesn't have to be a major sacrifice or a bummer or a pain. It can be more fun and more uplifting, more enlightening, just more groovy. And it was an idea that we had to test. You know, I didn't even know whether it was possible for a band to carry all their stuff on the road and still get along and even make it to gigs and be able to play. I didn't know whether that was possible, much less whether it would be an awesome experience or a real struggle. And there's parts of it that are a struggle, but mostly it's just like day after day of mind-shaking greatness. And we're talking day after day, mile after, we're talking about 5,000 miles. Um, and the last mission, was that the last, well, that was the big one, time to Mexico. And that's a lot of miles. That's like, that's, I mean, is this a, uh, a Guinness? Has there ever been a Guinness event for a uh, bicycle band tour? You, maybe <laughs> um, you could look I don't into think that. There, I don't think there's very many people vying for that for that record right now, but we're trying to change that. You know, we're trying to encourage other other people to get on their bikes, and there are definitely other people doing it, not just because of us. And some are inspired by what we're doing, and yeah, it's a long way. And it's not a long way also. It's not a long way when it's just a little bit every day or a little bit some days. I mean, we 
we don't go very fast and we don't go very far. Part of what we're trying to do is to show people that what we're doing is really accessible. It's not just for he-men and he-women or she-women or either. It's for it's for everybody. Almost anybody can do what we're doing. And um, in the first days are hard, but on all of the tours so far, more than half of the people weren't everyday bicyclists. Some of the people hadn't been on a bicycle in years, and almost nobody had ever been on a bicycle tour or a cargo bicycle. And all of these people are suddenly getting on bikes with hundreds to 200 pounds of cargo and riding for 5,000 miles over a long period of time, and everybody's able to do it. Um, really, only one person in all of this time out of probably about 100 people so far I've been on tour with has stopped just because of being physically exhausted, and she really stopped after just a couple of days because she had an accident the first day, and so it was kind of mentally not in the in it, but everybody else from couch potatoes to totally out of shape, um, 40-year-old chain smokers, um, all sorts of people have, have been doing it and losing weight and getting in shape and finding out that, that they can do it. And to me, that that's a, one of the real satisfying parts of it. And I, and I like to emphasize that it's not Herculean in some ways. It's just like anything else. The Herculean part of it was just doing it because it seemed like it might not be possible. But once we started doing it, I was like, oh, this actually isn't that hard. And in most ways, it's way easier than touring in a van or a bus because you have your own mind, head space every day, and you're getting exercise every day. Um, so... The getting exercise every day and the having a way to carry your stuff around that doesn't require too much uh, trouble is a way of life that um, you introduced me to personally and, and through a technology that you started um, called ExtraCycle that some people who are familiar with Greenhorns will have heard a lot about because we talk a lot about it and because it's emboldened us in such many ways to, to be stronger and have better headspace. But uh, maybe you could describe for our radio audience, what is what is an extra cycle, Kipchoge? Sure, I would love to. Um, it's basically just a long wheelbase bicycle, and the long wheelbase enables you to carry lots of cargo and still be able to go really fast and be nimble and be really stable. And um, they're for... As long as there have been bikes for the last, you know, 150 years or so, there have been um, ways of carrying cargo on bikes. But there, there haven't been very many attempts to design a bike that would be lightweight, nimble, and really good at carrying cargo. And that's really what the extra cycle is about. And um, it, it, uh, we started out making just an attachment that would basically convert a regular bike by you take out the rear wheel and you put on the extra cycle part and put the wheel back in and it just lengthens the frame behind your seat. Um, all the extra length is behind the seat and it's about 15 inches longer and it has huge saddlebags on the side and a deck on the top that some person can sit on or you can put stuff on. And um, 
we're just just um, extra cycle is all about trying to make bikes more utilitarian because getting someplace is one thing that bikes are awesome at and always have been and carrying things is a whole nother question and you know most cars come with trunks and back seats because everybody knows that people have passengers and stuff and so that was really what the extra cycle was about an attempt to do that and so we're, we're using them and we actually um one of the one of the goals of the company extra cycle was to was to spawn copycats or competitors or just uh other inventors to come up with long wheelbase cargo bikes and um a really good friend of mine named Ben Saracen um used to work at Extra Cycle and now has started another cargo bike company called Yuba and Yuba makes a bike that is a, a little a little heavier and a lot heavier duty than the Extra Cycle um so it's more for like heavy heavy duty cargo carrying and um we have a few of those on tour this time too so I'm really excited about trying those out and it's just gratifying to see people doing cool stuff with cargo bikes that's really been taking off in the last few years yeah it's really taking off bicycles even in places like when i go home to where i'm from and i remember that in those places when i was a child I never saw any bike lanes, and I didn't really see the kind of idiomatic bike culture uh, in the spaces that I have my childhood. Now there's bike paths, and there's bike locks, and there's bike, I mean, uh, what's it called, stands, and people have helmets hanging off of them around in, you know, I was around in Harvard Square is where I grew up, and, like, there's just more bike people than there ever was. Well, in my, in the places where I've been. Yeah, I mean, just rolling into New York last night, we came in on the Amtrak and put our bikes together and rolled out of Penn, Penn Station and rolled over to Ninth Avenue, and there was the new separated bike lane that I haven't seen, the la- wasn't here the last time, and and it just went all the way downtown, and it was it was cool. There were, and there were so many more cyclists this morning coming over the Williamsburg Bridge. It was just packed with riders, and it wasn't even... You know, that it wasn't even a sunny day. It was cold, and there are people out there riding just so many more, and it makes me uh, makes me really grateful for all of the bike advocates in the world, and to, today and yesterday, especially for transportation alternatives and the bike advocates of New York City. Yeah, transportationalternatives.org is a really amazing resource. Uh, if you don't know about them and you live in New York, you're probably not already a bicyclist. But they're doing the most marvelous uh, stunts, both political and uh, gravitational, uh, on all levels. And, and they are wide-ranging in their um, projects. I really, uh, I really aspire for Greenhorns and the work that we do to work in the ways that they have. It's like they're kind of an organizational model in the same way as you, Kipchoge, are um, a real personal model to me as an activist. So it's cool how there's this analog uh, bike world, and it's similar in a lot of ways um, to the ways that the farm world kids are organizing 
uh, ourselves. Yeah, so. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I see it as just like a really exciting new generation of activists who have a slightly different twist on the way activism is done. I mean, I'm not an expert on how it's always been, but I feel like when I was in college um, and a little bit before college, maybe, you know, around the the early 90s, um, my experience of environmentalism was, it was bleaker. It was um, not not the outlook, which is um, maybe the bleakness is, is subjective and, and hasn't changed or has gotten worse, who knows, since the 90s. But I think just the outlook of the individuals who are part of it, um, I think there's a greater sense of optimism that, like, maybe we're not going to save the planet, but at least we're going to have, we're going to have really lead really gratifying and rewarding lives doing things that are really meaningful to us that seem like that they're good for people on the planet. And it feels a lot more healthy to me because it means you don't get burned out because you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. And I see lots of people around me um, who are doing what they want to be doing and having small impacts in their world and big impacts in their family and their community and in their own lives. It seems like a really sustainable path for doing work. So in that sense, activism changes from something which something against something into the activism is just the kind of exertion of logistics and of ideals um, in order to live the life that you want to lead within the community or the set of relationships that you can manage to orient in that same direction of your intention. Succinctly, precisely, executively. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm supposed to stop. One of the things about what you're supposed to do when you interview people is you're supposed to kind of, like, re-summarize sometimes. And uh, I'm not very good at it, but I'm getting better every day, uh, mostly because of the exercise and the free space um, of my mind as I am bicycling on my bicycle, which is an extra yeah. cycle. Yeah, bike, uh, biking, biking does that. And, and I, I, it's really a constant discovery and lesson to me. And I, I would just, in another re-summary, I, I would say... Um, that the new activism for me is is not so much about the end. It's not so much about did we succeed or didn't we succeed. It's like we succeeded because we were living a life that was rich and that was in alignment with our values. And every time I'm on the bike, I'm like I used to I used to ride bikes. I think at times because I was like trying to stop global warming or something like that. And, um, mostly I choose to ride a bike now because I think it's good for myself in some way. It makes me happier. If I enjoy my life more, it leads to a higher quality of life. And it feels like it's a good example for other people to, to live a higher quality of life. And it has cascading effects of, 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 putting you in a position of consuming less and just being more present in your in your environment 
all positive things, no matter where the world goes in 20 years. Well, and one, you know, another example of that where I really, where what your words are echoing true for me was earlier, uh, like just talking about plastic, because. I used to really hate plastic bottles, and I used to hate plastic cups and styrofoam cups, and I hated them, and I didn't want to use them, and so I started using glass, and then I realized I really like how the water tastes in glass, and I really like how the glass feels on my mouth, and I I came to a new relationship with the kind of material fragility of the glass, and I came to realize that the glass is fragile, and so if I'm stressed out and frantic, then I drop it and it breaks, and it's a very good indicator. And that, you know, actually all of our relationships are, you know, also fragile. Are, um, I don't know, the, the, the glass turned into this bigger lesson, and I, it's almost like every little thing, um, every little thing starts to, be, to, be, to mean more um, as you spend... I'm considering it and considering its um, many impacts in your world, but... Yeah, I think that's a really good example and a really good point. It's, it's just like chewing, chewing, <laughs> choosing um, higher quality experiences, and, and often the higher quality experience is also more environmentally aligned in some way, yeah. like... People might, there are all sorts of people, all sorts of reasons that people might choose to go to the farmer's market. And uh, I think once they do make the choice, like the the things that happen there are, the, the magic really begins there because they have made that first choice. Whether they were motivated by environmental reasons or fresh food or whatever, suddenly they're a lot more connected with their food and and they're already slowing down, you know? Yeah. Or like, you know, here in the spring, I'm farming in Connecticut and, you know, I we're planting plants and the plants make food and we're digging a lot of holes and we're just like, man, we're bending down the whole time and it's, you know, it's work. But it turns out that the field in which we're planting the food is surrounded by a stone wall, and in that stone wall are mice and chipmunks, and then there's hawks that swoop down as you're standing there and snatch up the mouse or the chipmunk, and there's little twittering swallows feeding their babies and darting in and out of the barn, and there's a fox that we can see that comes in the evenings to go and eat little pieces of fruit off the back porch of the house next door to us, and, you know, the... The, the bower of new green trees all around the field. And it's kind of like, I didn't necessarily get into agriculture or feel so strongly in the beginning about agriculture because of, you know, the kind of margins of the field. I really started from the, like, food and people part. But it's funny how that fuller experience uh, unfurls itself and how different parts of our lives, we, re- we focus on different parts of the solution that we're trying to make. So I think it just has to do with where um, the process is going on in your life. But I digress a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it has to do with your attention, where, where you're putting your attention, and when you start putting it closer in front of you, um, paying more of it to the things that are right there in front of you, you start enjoying yourself more 
despite what might be happening. So that's direct action. That's direct action for you and direct experience. But Kipchoge, I want to make sure that you have a chance to promote the things that are happening and, and specifically to, like, say when they're happening during the day and where so that those people who are listening will be able to, you know, directly engage with them uh, tomorrow. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so um, this work that we're doing, the, um, we're not just... We used to be just touring around by bicycle, playing shows on our pedal-powered sound system wherever we could get shows. And um, the next evolution of our work is that we're touring with more bands and that in most of the cities we go to, we're putting on festivals, bicycle music festivals. And the bicycle music festival is pretty much like a regular festival except for instead of several stages at one venue, there is one stage that moves from venue to venue throughout the day. A few bands play at each venue, and in between the venues you have a big party bike ride, often with live music or at least with recorded music, um, for a super great social ride. And so tomorrow, Thursday, with our local New York City collaborators, Band of Bicycles, we're putting on New York's first bicycle music festival, and it starts... We're meeting at 9 a.m. on the Williamsburg Bridge. And if you're not there at 9 a.m. to see where we go afterwards, you can be alerted via Twitter or text message throughout the day by going to bandofbicycles.com and signing up for their alerts. Or our website is pleasantrevolution.net, and we have a link to it as well. So it'll be going throughout the day. Um, starting at 9 a.m. all day on Thursday, May 20th, New York City's first bicycle music festival. And if you happen to find yourself in Europe uh, any over the summer, we're going to be there until October putting on bicycle music festivals um, throughout the summer and fall. And the whole schedule is on pleasantrevolution.net as well. Wow. Wow, so PleasantRevolution.net is the place to go. Um, I really hope that you guys are in Italy. We're, I'm going to be there with my friend Amy Franceschini. She um, is building a Trojan horse that has a jam kitchen inside of it. And so we're going to push the Trojan horse into the center of the town and then make jam and other things. And it's interesting. I didn't even really make the connection that we might all be in the same place at the same time. But uh, Yeah, well, we'll come make some jams with you. Ooh. Well, okay, so thrills abound, and as you can tell, there's so much more we could say, but we have no more time in this moment to say anything more, except for thank you so much, listeners, and thank you so much, Kipchoge, for your uh, beautiful brain and uh, intention and amazing muscles uh, on behalf of this movement, which you described so beautifully. And uh, thank you to our sponsor, who is uh, Hearst Family Ranch in... California. Uh, thank you to Heritage Radio Network. Thank you, Greenhorns, for your uh, brave endeavors in this month of May. Bye-bye. <laughs>